Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of pureandsimplebible.com, introducing another series for you to enjoy, this time with a good friend of mine, Brother Brett Hickey. And some of you may know him. He preaches on a TV program called Let the Bible Speak. Brett and I had a really fun conversation called Unleashing Prayer Power. And uh, I'm really excited to get to share it with you. I've got it split up across two episodes. So uh, we're going to have a great introduction to it today, kind of addressing some of the concerns people have around prayer, motivating people to jump into prayer and then ending with some really important scriptures about it. So uh, let's just jump right into the conversation, shall we? So, Brett, you're not a brand new guest. You've been on here before. And uh, by the way, do you like it when people call you a celebrity, or do you not like it when they say, you're a celebrity? <laughs> it's kind of a funny feeling I, I i laugh with it but it depends on how it's said sure you know sometimes well i was going to introduce you as you're you are a celebrity preacher and that makes me cringe just saying it but I, I will tell you this story not to go off on a tangent but there was a time when you and i and i don't see myself as a celebrity um but uh you and i were at the new year's meeting up in oklahoma city this is probably five or six years ago I don't know if you remember this. We were talking, and a young man came up to us. I won't mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he goes, oh, my goodness. Let the Bible speak and pure and simple Bible at the same place at the same time. It's like my dreams have come true. <laughs> so there you go. You're uh, you're known, right? You've got a lot of works that are, are very public, and so I think maybe a lot of people know your brand and, and know who you are, even though maybe you don't know them because they, they get to watch you on television or on YouTube. So you do Let the Bible Speak, and that goes uh, in several markets around the country, right, on broadcast television? Right. And then it's also, it has it's, a, it's internet wing. It's going on YouTube. It's got a podcast form of it. It's a pretty well-oiled machine. Um, it's been going for a while. It has. I Let the Bible Speak's been going since the early 60s. I've been involved the last 13 or 14 years, mm -hmm. and a lot has changed. Now we've got HD, and so, you know, things look so much better. <laughs> our, sure. our, our, our background design is so much more yeah. improved, and uh, I, I pray every day that the Lord would, would help me to be a good steward of of this opportunity. I just, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that I could, um, have this avenue to reach some people that, you know, otherwise I could never meet. And I wonder, you know, some of these people, how could anybody mm -hmm. meet them if it wasn't for this, this avenue? Yeah. Uh, talking about time, you've been doing let the Bible speak. You said over 13 years. Is that right? That's right. Uh, how long have you been married? 32, 32 years. You and Luis been married 32 years. You've got two fully grown children, one living out west, one living here in the great state of Texas. I don't know if you knew this. Again, sorry, this is another rabbit hole, but uh, Joey worshiped with us last week, and uh, I felt like I needed to tell you he's one of my favorite song leaders 
as well as writers. So wow. I love he he I don't know. This is I'm just biased, I guess, but I feel like he really commands the audience when he's leading a song. He does a really good job. Um but his writing Hero Israel is one of my favorite songs because it makes me feel connected to the Old Testament followers of God. I feel like I'm there with them, you know, kind of singing the Shema uh, from Deuteronomy 6. And uh, anyway, so he's a great dude. Um, I know you care about him a lot as well, but I just wanted to plug your son as, as one of my favorites. Well, thank you. Um, very proud of him. You know, very thankful for his work. I appreciate people like him mm-hmm. and you who have that gift. And to me, it's just so enriching that within our fellowship, so there's so many talented people that can put put what we want from the scriptural basis in such a in such a beautiful way that we can sing. I love your your song about evangelism. Don't even remember the title of it now, but I think right. it's just man, I get so excited <laughs> when I hear it. And um, Joey's song to me, one of the signs of a good song songwriter writing a good song is when the little boys and girls can be caught singing yeah, that song. Agree. Let, let's let's make it so they can learn it and then they can sing it to me. I don't know something about that that just that makes me feel good down deep. Me too. I I tell some people that I feel like we're in a golden age of songwriting in our brotherhood because we do have we've made it accessible. Um, in in times past, I felt like maybe there was just a few songwriters. These days, that there's more. And they're they're really talented, and it's just it's a pleasure to get to sing a lot of this new stuff that's coming out. And anyway, that's not even what we're talking about today. But thank you for uh, maybe reflecting on that with me. We're talking about unleashing prayer power. That's the the study that you brought. Um, when I think about prayer, I sometimes can be guilty of saying oh man here we go again i'm gonna i'm gonna hear about how i'm not doing enough and i'm not good enough maybe i'm just triggered by things in the past so as we get into this study um and maybe there's a listener out there that's thinking something similar they're talking about unleashing prayer power but maybe their prayers are old or maybe their prayers are cold and and they're struggling to maybe find some joy in listening to this, what would you tell somebody that's maybe having a a challenging time getting their prayer life going? Well, one of the things I would say, a brother came to me about his public prayer. Now, primarily what we're going to talk about today is geared towards private private prayers. Okay. But a brother came to me, fairly new member of the church, and said, Brett, you know, I hear other people praying and then I'd pray my prayers and I just feel like, you know, they're inadequate. They're not as long and put them on repeat (laughs) (laughs) saying the same thing. Well, and I heard him say that and I thought, no way, brother, Mm. your prayers are great. Mm. They come from the heart. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's easy for us who've been praying a long time to, you know, drift into certain things that we say in prayer, but man, his prayers were always fresh. They weren't very long. I said, you know, Jesus never complained, never criticized anybody for mm-hmm. how having too short of a prayer. 
um, what he criticized people for sometimes was their long prayers because they were doing it to be seen of men. Oh, okay. But um, I would just say as far as in general towards people who's, you know, feeling a struggle with their prayer life that they want to do better, I think it's just, um, I think it's important to understand that this is something you're going to grow your entire life. I've been a Christian for over 40 years. Yeah. And as I first did this study on prayer a year and a half ago, it's morphed some, but my prayer life has grown tremendously. And I look back on my prayer life. I've always been a man who prayed, but I look back and I think, man, prayer life really needed to do better. And now I look at my prayer life now and it's so much better. And I think, man, there's a way I've got, a, there's a way there's, I have a ways to go mm. in my prayer life. And one sure. of the, one of the points that I like to make in this study, I usually bring it out a little bit later, but is what I found was the key to keep my prayer life strong and steady was to have a prayer list, to develop a prayer list, whether you're old school and you do it on pen and paper. Mm-hmm. I like to do it on my phone because there's so much that I have to do in my work on sure. the phone, put it on those notes and just, you know, as you need to, sometimes people ask, um, if you'll pray for them, I just pull out my phone and I add that name and, and, uh, I found, you know, setting one main time, one main period during the day in which you just, that is something that's going to happen. Just like I'm at Sunday morning at 1030, 10, 1030, <clears throat> I'm going to be at church. Gotcha. Somewhere. Right. right. Well, it's now, um, and I have it, it varies somewhat on what exact time in the morning, okay. but every morning I'm going to schedule in. Uh, time for my prayer, mm-hmm. my prayer life. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be, and and then I've got my list. And so there's so many things that's so easy to forget with me and names and situations. I go down that thing and man, I feel, I feel so good about my prayer life sure. improving. So those are just a couple of thoughts that I would offer. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I'm sure our listeners, not only are they encouraged, but just to hear that plugging in uh, is going to lift you up is an encouraging thought as well. Now, I'm looking at your notes, and the way that you kind of frame this is by putting it in a context of spiritual war. And I guess, you know, when I think about the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, with the armor of God, um, I'm not thinking about prayer, even though it's in the scriptures. And, you know, here I am getting to look at it going, oh, man, it's right there. Uh, tell us a little bit about this spiritual war and how prayer plays a component in that. Absolutely. That was what was really started to open up for me on this subject was studying from Ephesians chapter six and realizing that, wait a minute, uh, you know, you love all the metaphors, the idea of the Christian armor, mm-hmm. but you get to verse 17 and there's not even a period there. That's in some of my sermons. That's where I ended my sermon <laughs> on the spiritual right. battle. Right. But every translation I've saw has got a semicolon there and the sentence continues and it's he's talking about prayer. And of course, that makes so much sense. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints Mm -hmm. and praying for me Mm -hmm. that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly 
to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Mm. And so when I think of the Apostle Paul, right, I think of a guy, he had this background in Judaism, and he knows God, and he knows God's word. And uh, prayer is something that he's mastered, but now that he's an apostle and he has all these gifts, I mean, really, does the Apostle Paul need to pray? Oh, yeah. And not only does he need to pray, but he realizes that his prayers are not enough. Right. I liked in that scripture, I guess another thing that I hadn't considered before is where here's the guy talking about the power of prayer, also saying, I need I need your prayers. He needed people praying for him and for his ministry. And it wasn't just a call for prayer in general, but it was, I need your prayers. It's fascinating. Yes, it was to me, it was so powerful to, to notice what he was saying. And that led me to look at other places. Did he say this in other times and other examples where he had said this? And then all this, I noticed that account after account in book after book and letter after letter, Paul's saying, pray for me. And even in some cases, he's begging for his brothers and sisters and all these different congregations to pray for him. And of course, these letters are being sent to other congregations, copied. And and so he's sending out this message and mm. he's saying, I need your prayers. I've heard people say, even like a preacher say something to the effect, you know, if if I'm praying a prayer right. and James 5, 16, you know, I'm right with the Lord. I'm a Christian. And I'm serving God. Then I don't really need anybody else's prayer. I mean, I prayed God hears God's going to make a decision. He's going to answer or he's not to answer. So yeah. more prayers is not going to make that big of a deal. Right. Um, you read the apostle Paul's letters and that idea is demolished. Right. Because he's not just praying. But he's asking for all of these other people to pray. He wouldn't do that unless he understood there's a difference yeah. in having more prayers. So, you know, we have to be careful with that we're not guilty of praying with vain repetitions, that we're not just saying the same True. thing mindlessly. True. But True. those are vain repetitions. But we notice that Paul prayed the same prayer in Second Corinthians chapter 11 or 12. You know, for that thorn in the flesh might be removed. He prayed three times for that, mm -hmm. and then God kind of cut that short. Mm -hmm. But the idea of repetitious prayer is not a problem. Uh, sometimes maybe we're not praying the same prayer enough. We give up. We faint, as it were, in prayer. In Luke chapter 11, when the disciples ask him, ask Jesus about a prayer, teach us how to pray, one of the points that he emphasizes is the importance of keep on coming back, keep on coming back, keep on Keep on praying, yeah. repeating yeah. Uh, that prayer. And the w woman, we use the word sometimes the importunate widow. What does that <laughs> word mean? But the woman who is persistent. Sure. And just keep on praying that praying that prayer. And yeah. so that idea of having others pray for you, it's, uh, it's like a force mo multiplier. You know, Brett, I'm thinking about people who struggle to ask for help. So as I'm listening to your thoughts and I'm processing the Apostle Paul, and we haven't even got to some of the scriptures yet, but yeah, the, the point that, that I see is that here's a guy who wasn't afraid to say, 
I need your prayers. Pray for me in this way, this way. But I'm also aware, at least in the culture that we live in, that sometimes uh, people don't want to ask for help because then it's going to be this perception of I don't have it all together or uh, I'm, I'm not as maybe mature as you thought I was if I'm asking for prayers. What would you say to somebody that um, maybe they struggle with this facade of, oh, I need to have it all together. And if I'm asking people to pray, they might ask, what am I praying for? And then I might have to tell them. And, and that's just, you know, the opposite of what I want people to think about me. Yeah, that brings me to, uh, that reminds me of a passage in James that I think is very important in our uh, Christian living. It's a, it's a general statement, but I think it's relevant here. James 4, verse 7 Verse six and seven, but he gives more grace. Now we all know we need grace. Right. We want all that favor that God can give us. Therefore, he says, quoting from the Old Testament, God resists the proud, but gives grace, favor to the humble. Okay. And to me, one of the statements I make without maybe, without saying it, maybe not without consciously thinking it when I'm praying it's a statement of humility. Mm-hmm. It's a statement of dependence. God, I need you. We sing songs like that. We read about oh, sure. David in the Psalms, but you know how real is that for us? Yeah. I think in our in our country here, you know, in the United States, a lot of us are taught and you know to be independent, take care of your own business. Exactly. And that's good. And we should, right? but in certain areas, especially spiritual areas, we mm-hmm. need to know that we can't get it all done ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the attitude of, hey, I got this. I don't need your help. This is not something that God smiles on. This is something that historically you read through the Bible, that's what gets people in trouble mm. over and over again. But when we were praying to God, we're, we're saying without saying it, sometimes we might not say it. And that is, <laughs> I need your help. Sure. I can't do it without you. For me as a preacher and an evangelist, I'm kind of geared towards, you know, there's some of us are more of a Martha personality. Some right. are more of a Mary personality. <laughs> sure. Some of us like Mary are more reflective. And some of us like Martha are more move, move, move. I'm more of a go, go, go. Really? Yeah, like, uh, I'm kind of almost kind of restless. Sure, sure. And uh, so it's easy for me to think, okay, what does God want me to do? I know what God wants me to do. I'm an evangelist. I need to be in evangelizing. And of course, there's other things. Right. So go, 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 go. And so I, I feel like I've worked hard all my life to do what I believe God wants me to do as a Christian and as an evangelist. Sure. Yeah. I've worked hard. Yeah. But I haven't worked as smart as I should. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's one of the things that, I believe prayer does. Right. Prayer says, God, I, for, to maximize what I need to be and what needs to happen here, I need your help. Right. Please help me. And so yeah. I feel like finally the light went on uh, to where I'm praying like I never have before. And I'm saying, well, wow, this really does make a difference. Now, I've mm. always believed that. Sure. Of course, I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. But... <laughs> Um, I, I feel like, you know, when, uh, Jesus talks about, he gets after the Pharisees, 
And we got to watch out or we can slip into some of their behaviors, their attitudes. You know, in Matthew chapter 23, he talks about them. You've, you've omitted the weightier matters of the law. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was thinking that just this week, and I was thinking in conjunction with this, ser- this sermon, you know, sometimes we get so uh, involved in, as preachers, our studies and wanting to understand every little word and, sure. and every little topic, and we sure. want to explore that, and we want to teach it to others. Not and, the dill, not the cumin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, exactly. So, but I think we too can be like that. Sure. Not. I'm not talking about the weightier matters of the law. Yeah. I'm talking about the weightier matters of the faith, although those weightier matters of the law would certainly uh, be part of it. You know, uh, evangelism, of course, weighty matter. Mm-hmm. Matthew 28, obviously this is, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, we're to follow him. Um, I think of holiness. Right. You know, that, that is so, that covers so much territory. That's a biggie. And I think of prayer. Mm. Gotcha. And if I spend too much time in my own personal studies and in my own teaching on all the little details um it's possible in the process that i leave out something big yeah and one of the biggest of the biggies is prayer and if and if i fail to use that blessing like i should then satan's getting happy you know i if if prayer is communication with god Right, this this interaction, the way that we connect to the divine, I what I try to remind people of is have any relationship that's meaningful on on this side of eternity, right? So any uh, uh, husband, wife, parent, child, siblings, friends, have any kind of relationship where you never interact, and see how long it lasts. And the work that I do as a therapist. Almost every single couple that I work with, past, present, and I'm, I'm assuming in the future as well, almost always on the intake form that they fill out where it says, you know, what's the problem or, you know, what's the reason for coming in? Communication issues. They're not talking. Now, there may be something deeper, and that's why they're not talking, but they're recognizing there's no connection. There's no, and that means there's no relationship. So, to, I guess, circle back to the, the question a bit ago, uh, for the person out there that's thinking, I, I need to have it all together and I don't want to uh, necessarily ask others for prayer, um, I'm good to go, they're, they're missing out on this, not only a relationship directly with God, but also the relationship that they have with their brethren who are also relating to God. It becomes this like spider web of, of relationship where you are being supported by not only the Father through prayer, but also with your brothers and sisters who are praying for you. I'm, I'm just amazed in your notes where it says, in seven out of his 14 letters, Paul asked for prayers. Uh, I don't know if I knew that fact, but the fact that I, I see it here makes me instantly go, ding, that's important. If it happened one time, it's important. But the fact that it happened seven different times ought to tell me that here's a guy who was, dare we call him, the greatest evangelist other than Jesus who ever lived, and yet was humble enough to say, I need your prayers. 
tell us a little bit about this man and the scriptures uh, around him that that had him, I guess, beg these churches for prayers. And why was he asking for help? You know, give give us an idea of the the power of asking for help in prayer. Well, I I hope that everybody listening is is getting the full impact of that because it blew my mind when I discovered this because I'm reading sermons all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear sermons all the time. We're doing mm-hmm. our own studies all the time. We're reading through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Sure. And I didn't remember ever hearing anybody say this. And I didn't ever remember noticing this. And to me, this is, in my life as a Christian, this has been one of the big discoveries that Paul made this such a big deal how badly he needed mm-hmm. the prayers of others. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, do we really understand how much we need and how much we stand to benefit from in the, in the prayers of others? The Apostle Paul clearly believed in prayer power. And you, uh, those who are listening here, Christians, uh, Bible-believing folks, um, you'd say if somebody asked you, you believed in the power of prayer. Yeah, pray without ceasing. I remember that. That's biblical. 1 Thessalonians 5, right. verse 17. Pray right. everywhere. First uh, Timothy 2, verse 8. We don't have to be at church. doesn't have to be just at mealtime or prayer uh, uh, prayer at church or in the, in the prayer closet. But we should be connected to God at all times. Mm. Um, prayer is the ultimate power source because we connect with the greatest power on the earth, on yeah. the, in the world, actually beyond the world because God is transcendent. You know, the, the, the metaphor of the power source may be better than most cultures that came before electricity. I feel like electricity ought to remind us uh, it, it's a natural to me, metaphor of the power of prayer, because all of the machines and utensils and whatever that need electricity when they're unplugged are useless. That's right. Like you, you have to plug in. And what's so interesting about the grid is just how vast this network is, how powerful it is. It's instant. It's all over the place. It's everywhere. But if you're not plugged in, you're not accessing. You, it doesn't work. But the moment you plug in, you function that 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 uh, toaster or whatever it functions as it was designed if it didn't plug in it it, it has maybe some of the similar movements but it doesn't accomplish its job that's right and so we've got to understand how important it is for us to reach our maximum capacity to stay plugged in mm-hmm. we talked earlier about the spiritual war not everybody is going to make it. Mm. That's, you know, frightening. It's alarming. It's a sobering reality. You know, every congregation we go to visit and we teach and preach and we know there's been people who've at one time were, were there who were vibrant sure. members of the body and Christians that we thought, man, they're going to always be there. You know, they're just yeah. like us that, you know, they stumble, they fall, but you know, going to get right back up and be right back at it. But you know, let me let me ask you about that. So we're going back into the spiritual war, and one of the points that you make uh, in the study, because 
I heard a version of this at the New Year's meeting. And um, so I, I want to try to make the connection. You talked about, uh, let me see if I can say it right. We, we oftentimes think we're the predator, but we're, we're in the scriptures, we're the prey. Yeah. And that's P-R-E-Y, <laughs> not P-R-A-Y. But we can be the prey and uh, the scripture of First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary is a devil, a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And so if we're the prey, uh, how are we, I guess, fighting back against the predator? And uh, yeah, so talk, talk to us about how prayer, that is P-R-A-Y, is helping us the P-R-E-Y. It's very easy for us to get lulled into a false sense of security in the world that we live in. Sure. Because we are. We are the predators. We are the hunters. We're made in God's image. God put us in charge. We're not the biggest of his creation. We're not the strongest. We're not the fastest. But we are in charge. And so to flip that narrative and realize, wait a minute, this being that we cannot see, Mm-hmm. is after us he's been he's been at on the job to take out god's people for thousands of oh, years yeah. he's honed his craft for lifetimes before we were born that's right so we've got to we've got to be aware of that and once we get aware of that if we can keep that thought in our mind then all of a sudden man we're going to be on our knees yeah metaphorically speaking we're going to be praying we're going to oh, make yeah. sure that we know that if we're not because um people are not not everybody's going to finish. We know we know people that have, you know, been sifted. Sure, as wheat that that Satan as a roaring lion has devoured, and we don't want to be one of those. We don't want our spouse, and we don't want our children, right. grandchildren, to be them. Right. You know, two times now in in this conversation we've had. I hope our listeners have caught on this as well. Um, the idea of being prey instead of only having the mindset of I'm at the top of the food chain. That's a, another mark of humility to take yourself yes. off of that top spot and to recognize, okay, maybe I'm not the one who's totally in control here. The devil's coming after me. Uh, prayer needs to be a part of my life. That's adding to the humility of, I really need others to pray for me because, um, and I need to be praying for others. I, I shouldn't just be self-focused on my needs, but I, I should be engaged in what others are going through and praying for them. So that's two marks of humility we have in this study on prayer. Um, but I feel like even though we mentioned it at the beginning of the study, you talked about it for a little bit, I feel like this would be a really good time to ask the question uh, for our listeners. So let me maybe front load the question. Our listeners who are going, yes, uh, so now I want to pray better. Yes, I recognize I need to kind of get out of the way sometimes. I need to be uh, more humble and less self-focused. So the question that I think naturally gets asked is, how do you sustain a vigorous prayer life long term? Are New Year's resolutions that we often make are really uh, easy to do in January, but usually we start to forget them by February. When it, when it comes to like health goals, people want to lose weight, they want to try this or that, and then it's like fad and it, it kind of floats away. We don't want that for our prayer life. We want it to be sustaining, long lasting. So that's that's my question for you, Brett. How do I start a prayer life that's sustainable and not one where I, I might uh, 
shine bright for a week or two, and then I just kind of shrink back into darkness. Such an important question. You may have read like I have, you know, reading different sermons and topics. You, you I've read about preachers who would start their day with hours of prayer. Yeah, they always make me feel bad. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they're what? getting up at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm <laughs> yes, they're starting their day with three or four hours of prayer, and I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're from a different planet. Yeah. And, you know, I can't really even relate to what's going on here. Sure. I think one of the things that's helped me is I need to, I, I understand now better that, I, I, first of all, I don't have to pray my prayer, one long prayer. It doesn't have to be a 15, 20, 30 minute hour long, or like these guys are talking about hours long in prayer. Yeah. I get distracted so easy. I get mentally tired. You know, if I was up at four o'clock, I'd probably go back to sleep. I'd yeah. fall asleep. But what what's helped me is I have in my prayer time, which spans a period of a couple of hours, um, I am praying in two-minute segments. Oh, interesting. And I'll pray for a couple minutes. And uh, I'm hesitant to say this because I'm somebody may say, well, what's he doing that for? But I'll just I'll tell you when I, I go to the gym every day. Sure. And I have two minutes between lifts. OK. And I've used that as a time where I'm getting steps in and I'm walking around the gym. And while I'm doing that, I've got my prayer list and I I, I, I knock it out, you know, two minutes at a time. And then, you know, I, I end my prayer and I go back and I do another lift. And um, I'm able to do that a bunch of times, get through uh, my entire prayer list. Of course, I'll be praying other times during the day. Yeah. But I've addressed so much of what I needed to do. And two minutes of praying, mm. that's that's easy to do. Can you yeah. pray for two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not worn out. And then you go back another two minutes, however long you need to space that out. Um, you know, and when I'm driving, uh, I pray and I look for little compartments here and there and, and not feel like, okay, I got to get in my prayer lot, prayer closet, got to get real comfortable in here. Nobody's going to see me and have my eyes closed and on my knees and my hands together, sure. you know, like the, not all that is necessary. If you want to do that, that's fine. But, um, one thing I've learned is to to find a way to pray that works for you. If you if you can pray for an hour straight, that's great. Yeah, I love this. I love the idea of of working with your strengths instead of trying to put a uh, what did they say the square peg in the round hole or the whatever it is the round peg in the square hole. You know, trying to become something you're not you take what you are naturally good at or talented with or, or capable of and you plug prayer in that way. I'm thinking, for example, I'm just kind of riffing with you here for a minute, but I'm thinking about like young parents, you know, mm. moms, <laughs> maybe stay at home moms, for example, yeah. and how they don't get time off. Like they don't get to go to the prayer closet because little hands are coming under the door, right? Or they're they're banging and asking for mommy, right? And so learning to... Well, you know what prayer time's going to look like? Prayer time's going to look like me and my babies, me and my kids. Uh, we're going to spend a couple of minutes 
where we talk to God and we've got our, maybe kids got their picture Bibles while mommy's praying just so that they can be a little bit quieter than, than doing cartwheels around the living room. But that's just one example. Each of us is in a different phase of life and we can't be waiting to get to the next phase for our prayer life to kick into overdrive. It just won't happen. Exactly. And when you were telling that story, I, the idea of the mama with the, her little babies and when am I ever going to be able to have pray a longer consecutive prayer? And so you just got to do it when you can. Yeah. And then what about, but you know, interrupting interruptions, you know, I'm, I'm praying all of a sudden the baby starts crying. What, what do I do now? That doesn't seem respectful. And somebody might say about me, well, you're walking around the gym <laughs> and somebody says, hi, what are you going to do? Just ignore them. Yeah. And you, what I do, sorry, I'm praying to God right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't you know yeah, don't who talk I am? to me <laughs> uh no, but what i do is i apologize to the lord for the interruption yes. i say hi and then i go back yes you know and start praying again and we can do that whether you're a preacher at the gym or whether you're a a mom at house in the house with the with little babies and uh so i i think that's been a big help oh me. sure i would I mean, I don't want to just say, well, I feel and, and talk about it from just a experiential point of view. But um, there's been many, many times I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll hold a gospel meeting here or there. Marissa goes with me. She and I are talking and somebody comes up and they're like, you can tell here I am to talk to you at this exact moment. And I might put my arm out and touch Marissa on the elbow and, and or hold her hand. And it's that sign of we'll get back to this in just a minute. This person is obviously wanting to talk to me about the sermon I just preached or whatever. But in that, in that physical touch with my wife, what I'm telling her is I'm not done yet with you, but let's just take a pause and I'll be right back. And, you know, I, I can't do that with God physically, but to your point, I do feel like we, we can pray in such a way where it's a, excuse me, father, uh, I'll be right back. Let me deal with this, and then we'll we'll continue our conversation. And maybe I don't say it in those exact words, but uh, I, again, I just want our listeners to hear that there's way more options than the um, the prayer closet in in total silence. I think that's so important to get. I think one it's one of the things I think that's kept us from being what we can be and utilizing prayer as we should. And to me, one of the great examples in the Bible, brother. Uh, pointed out to me um, is in Nehemiah chapter two. Okay. It's one of these things so easy to miss. Uh, Nehemiah two, starting with verse one, it came to pass in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. We're talking about a cupbearer, very important man, but he's a servant, he's a slave and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. And the reason is if you're a slave, you're a servant, Back then, especially, you didn't come in before the king with a, with an attitude. Sure, you didn't come in bringing uh, sadness into the room. Right, you were, you know, Mister Positive. Mm-hmm. But so this king saw it, and he was really potentially in big trouble. But he was very highly appreciated by the king. The king said, "Why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart." So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, he knew he had to say something at first, 
May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? What do you want? So he's not, not only is he not going to get killed, but the king has asked him. Right. What, you know, what do you want? Mm -hmm. But what does he do? He doesn't just start stringing off a list of requests. The Bible says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Mm -hmm. You think that you think that he said, excuse me, King, I'll be back in 20 minutes. No, he's not sure. going to do that. Sure. It had to be a very brief. Oh, yeah. Prayer, but asking, I assume, a prayer for wisdom. Right. And what I'm going to say, yeah, I use God my give me strength. words kindly. You know, sometimes it, um, on Sunday mornings, the phone will ring and it's not a number I I'm familiar with, and I know what's going on. It's somebody who's watched the TV program. And sure. sometimes those calls are at 7, 7.30. And I'm usually, 7.30 Sunday morning, I'm usually not at my best. And so I think a couple of thoughts. I think, oh, no, what if it's somebody calling to complain or to criticize? I don't want to take that call. Right. Then I think, yeah, but what if it's somebody who is calling because they want to find the closest congregation? Mm. I need to take this call. And so... I will take that call, but before I take that call, I ask the Lord for wisdom to handle it in the best possible way. And that's a short prayer. Yeah. Um, but even something that short, <laughs> I'm confident that's what was going on with Nehemiah. Yeah. He was just bringing, he knew this is a potentially a life or death experience is a big opportunity for the kingdom. And he's going to bring the Lord yeah. into this. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. This, these short prayers, these non non traditional location prayers. We're in a in a section where we're we're answering the question: How do you sustain a vigorous prayer life long term? Right. We, we want it to be sustainable. We've been talking for the past few minutes uh, about first we we can have a really healthy mindset of I can take this with me anywhere. I don't have to have a specific spot and if i'm not there then i'm just shut out of my prayer life so i've i've loved that part of the conversation um making sure that it's daily uh that you're interacting with god in a consistent way you talked about there are those that interact with god maybe an hour at a time and then there's also the ones that interact with him in an hour at a time but it's split up over several different smaller increments they're praying for two minutes three minutes five minutes uh, you have several scriptures in here that go along with this point. Um, I'd love to start with James 4, mm. and uh, you call it one of the most haunting scriptures. Why is James 4 verse 2 one of the most haunting scriptures in the Bible? Oh, we're going to cut it off right there. It's a cliffhanger. And you need to come back next week if you want to hear about one of the most haunting scriptures in the Bible. It is a sobering scripture indeed, and uh, I really encourage you to come back, listen to the second half of the conversation, have your Bible out, have a notebook out to take some of these scriptures down. It was a lot of fun talking to Brett. Brett's really easy to talk to, and he's really easy to listen to as well. Man, the guy's got a golden voice, doesn't he? And anyway, I'm thankful for him to carve out some time in his very busy schedule to sit and talk with me about prayer. It's motivating for me, for my prayer life. I hope it is for you too. So come back next week for part two. 
Here's some things you can do between now and then. First, if you haven't already, leave a five-star review on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. It's helpful. I, I even go from time to time and I read the reviews. So if you want to write a sentence or two about what you enjoy, that's really helpful for me. It's helpful for the algorithm as well to get it to other people when they're searching for Bible podcasts. Here's another thing you can do. You can go to patreon.com backslash pure and simple Bible if you want to help me and help be a part of this uh, in a financial way. So there's always studio costs. There's costs for me to upgrade the equipment. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and I've been encouraged by some to start this, so I decided to go for it. And if you find that you're talented as an encourager and as somebody who uh, wants to share some of their blessings with others, then check it out at patreon.com backslash pure and simple Bible. Finally, you can always go to the website www.pureandsimplebible.com to check out resources that are there for you to use and utilize, and it's absolutely free to do so. I'm currently going through one of the workbooks, the Redemption Series, with somebody, and I'm hoping that it leads to their conversion. Uh, I want them to become a Christian, and the Redemption Series is a great workbook to introduce somebody to Christ. So go check it out. You can download the PDF for free and use it with your friends and family. And I want you to remember, as always, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like